Hey friends, this is part three of our bonus mini-series entitled The Alpha Particle. Last time we talked about the industrial applications of helium and where to go to find it underground. This time we'll talk about how helium, or at least helium-4, is formed. We call this episode Binding Energy. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Field Guide to Particle Physics. This is your informal guide to the subatomic ecosystem that we're all immersed in. Our aim is to give us all a better foundation for understanding our place in the universe. Today, we're talking about nuclear physics and the physical origins of helium-4. At this point, you may be wondering, well, this is all great, but helium is a chemical element. It's a gas. What on earth does helium have to do with particle physics? Well, hey, we are almost there. And when you see the connection, you might freak out. But let's briefly review what we know so far. Helium is a gas trapped underground and made up of helium atoms. Each atom has a nucleus with two protons. Almost all the helium on earth also has two neutrons. The chemistry of helium is rather boring. Helium is a noble gas. It doesn't usually form chemical bonds. The nuclear physics of helium, by comparison, is fascinating. So let's talk about some nuclear physics. Part of what makes chemistry so hard to understand is the diversity of the chemical elements. With almost 100 possibilities, the number of combinations of elements, the number of molecules, is effectively limitless. Nuclear physics, by contrast, includes only protons and neutrons. Doesn't that feel a little more manageable? The nuclei of atoms are considerably easier to wrap your mind around. They are super tiny globs, made up of only protons and neutrons, bound together into a ball. That's it! Admittedly, it is weird that the nuclei are so small compared to the rest of the atom. And it is weird that almost all of the atomic mass sits inside the nucleus, but hey, at least it's organized neatly. Of course, the insides of those individual protons and neutrons are horribly complicated. Those particles are sloppy bags of subatomic goo that are extremely difficult to describe mathematically. But because all of that madness is neatly organized into those tiny packages, those protons and neutrons, we won't worry about it here. But we will say that all of that crazy internal subnuclear goo leaves a residual stickiness around the edges of the particles. That residual stickiness is still pretty powerful. Pulling apart a chemical bond might cost something like 5 electron volts of energy, or, or even less. But do you want to pull a proton off a helium atom? Well, that will cost you 2 million times as much energy. And that's a good thing. The nucleus only has positive electric charge. It's just protons and neutrons. If those nuclear bonds, that nuclear stickiness, weren't so strong, they might just blow apart. The nuclear force is much, much stronger than the electrical force. Nuclear physics might seem simple to describe at first, but it's a very different kind of physics. It's not really possible to just go in and pull a proton off a nucleus. But thinking about doing that, and thinking about how much energy is required, is a good proxy for how tightly bound the nucleus is. 
Those protons and neutrons like to be bound together, especially the neutrons. We call the typical amount of energy it takes to pull one of those particles off the nucleus the binding energy. And if you lined up all the different nuclei known by size, you'd see a stark contrast in binding energy. On the small side, you see things like hydrogen, you know, a single proton with one or two neutrons, and then you'd find helium-3 and helium-4 and lithium and so on and so on. Their typical binding energy is pretty small, relatively speaking. On the larger side, you'd see things like bismuth and uranium, thorium, and all their various isotopes. Their binding energy, by comparison, is pretty strong. The generic trend is that nuclei become more tightly bound with more and more particles. And it happens pretty rapidly, with carbon having eight times the binding energy of the smallest nucleus. That rapid growth in binding energy levels off soon enough so that atoms like iron-56 and nickel enjoy some of the most tightly bound nuclei around. At that point, the nucleus becomes a little too crowded, and the binding energy slowly declines a little bit as the nuclei gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But there is one major outlier to this pattern, helium-4. For its size, the helium-4 nucleus is extremely tight, alarmingly tight. It has well over double the binding energy of helium-3 and is 20% tighter than those slightly heavier lithium nuclei nearby. You're not going to break up helium-4, even if it's trapped inside a larger nucleus. To understand how special the helium-4 nucleus is, it helps to go to the other end of the nuclear spectrum. Really big nuclei, some of the biggest naturally occurring, like uranium or thorium, are kind of a mess. They look a lot like blobs, like American footballs, but in a sense, a bit disorganized. They're a little too big for their own good. They're still bound together, but if you hit one with a neutron, say, they'd shatter. Sometimes, on rare occasion, they break apart all by themselves, spontaneously. This is called radioactive decay. There are all kinds of ways that nuclei can decay. And there's plenty of room for nuance, but an easy way to think about it is to ask, what kind of particles come out during the decay? This is essentially the way that radioactivity was discovered. Typically, the nucleus just fires out a single particle. For historical reasons, those particles were called alphas, betas, or gammas. Accordingly, we call those kinds of radioactive decays alpha decay, beta decay, or gamma decay, depending upon what comes out. Beta rays turned out to just be electrons, and gamma rays are just photons. But what is alpha? Here's a way to think about the alpha decay of a big, honking nucleus. Sometimes clusters of protons and neutrons within that nucleus are bound together just a little more tightly than average. That cluster might bounce around the inside of the nucleus, bouncing back against the surface from time to time, until, at some point, accidentally, it finds itself just a little too far from the edge of the nucleus. It's a random occurrence, but at that point, it breaks from that residual nuclear stickiness, and the electrical repulsion of all the other protons in the nucleus takes over, and that tiny little cluster rapidly gets pushed away. It's ejected from the nucleus. Another way to think about alpha decay is that it's just quantum mechanics at work, sniffing out the lowest possible energy for all the particles or groups of particles involved. That tiny cluster that we talked about is an alpha particle. 
the alpha particle emitted by this process of alpha radiation virtually always has the same electric charge and the same mass. Can you guess what it is? Two neutrons and two protons. Yep, it's helium-4. Finally, after all of this talking, here we are. Helium-4 is formed by the radioactive decay of heavy elements. And here on Earth, we have a lot of heavy elements. We'll talk about what that all means for us next time. This has been an installment of the Field Guide to Particle Physics, a copyrighted production of the Poseidon Institute. Thank you so much for listening. For a full, free, online copy of the Field Guide, please visit our website at poseidon.org or follow us on Instagram. We've got a lot of other resources for you there. At the Poseidon Institute, we're on a mission to build and share physics knowledge without barriers. Come learn with us. 